Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. Are you a small business owner who thinks they pay too much in taxes? We can help. Give us a call or book a meeting by clicking the link in the show notes to book a free financial consultation so you have peace of mind about your financial future. We're also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. If you're a business owner or HR leader and you're needing a competitive employee benefits package to attract and retain that awesome top talent, we can help. Check us out to book a free consultation and create a customized benefits package that fits your business and budget. I'm your host back again, Robin Bailey, with my co-host and business partner, Al McDonald. Al, sunshine, looks like a nice weekend. It's Podcast Friday, so you know what that means. It means I'm very happy. What about you? Absolutely. Podcast Friday and a good looking weekend in the summer means bike riding. And yeah, so what's not like? Well, when the clip goes out of today's episode, people are going to see the branding of our guest name on his t-shirt. And we were talking beforehand, I like that idea. So hopefully we're going to copy that. And eventually when we get together, we can uh, post a pic of both of us putting our brands out there. No further ado, our guest today is Ryan Austin, who is powering L&D operations at Cognota. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Robin and Al, I appreciate it. Good to have you here. Now, we had such a great, I think, a great conversation the first time we met. So I was very appreciative of the introduction. But for those of the listeners that might not know about or who Cognota is yet, can you just give us a summary? Sure. So we're a B2B SaaS company headquartered in Toronto, but with operations as well in Vancouver and a couple of people in the States and in Mexico. Cognota powers learning operations for corporate learning and development teams, as you called it. We're essentially creating the learn ops category. So think about other business functions, DevOps and RevOps. We're software first, but we also have a learn ops community and partnerships with chief learning officers who do coaching for customers as well. Very cool. I was hoping, especially with you, because I always find it interesting. I hope other people find it interesting too. How do people end up where they are? right? Like I know for me, that entrepreneurial spirit has always been there. And I think part of that was a function of my upbringing. And I've talked about it before. My parents were new immigrants to Canada and I wasn't aware of it as much as my older brother was. But for a lot of my life, there wasn't a lot of money to go around. So, you know, as a kid, you just want things. So I was always coming up with ways to make money. And I remember as Tony Robbins would put it, it wasn't lying. It was using my personal power. You know, you had to be 12 to get the Sunday Sun paper route, and I was 11. So that was there early on. Like, what did your journey look like? Like, where did it start? Did it start as a kid, or was this something that developed more as you went on with life? Yeah, I think as a kid, from doing lemonade stands when you were really, really young, I remember doing that with my sister and selling apples to people in the neighborhood, to eventually doing window cleaning, then promoted that into like car detailing 
And then throughout high school and university, I was always doing something. I started my first technology company in my dorm room, which is what got me into tech and journey from there to where I landed today. What was your worst job ever? And that can be something you started or an actual job that you did. Oh, so I've only worked for a few companies in my lifetime. Three, if you consider my father was a pharmacist and he owned pharmacies. And at some point I worked in the pharmacies with him. So three, if you consider that. The other two, one was in between startups that I created called World Trade Group. That was great. But once, I don't know how old I was. It must have been like 16 or 17. My cousin got me a job with him at this place called E-Mart Depot, which was a warehouse job. And that sucked. I resonate with that. My favorite job when I was 15, got hired at McDonald's and did every shift that they had from opening at breakfast to closing at night. And a lot of people will maybe look down on that, but the work ethic that they taught, I remember the saying, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean. And the work ethic that that instilled at that time, I think has just carried with me the rest of my career. So I I don't have fond memories of the food so much these days because I try to eat healthy, but I'm a big fan of giving the opportunities to young people and giving them good training that, that I think sets them up for success. The warehouse I can relate with. I think I was 16 working at Sears Warehouse and I remember being in the trailers on a hot summer day and the trailer would pull up with double stacked ranges or washers and dryers Back then, I could have eaten everything under the sun, and I still wouldn't have gained weight because those trailers were so hot. But I remember specifically working there and thinking, this is why I've got to you know, get my education and learn and network because this isn't something that I want to do the rest of my life. So I think those early days are really important to kind of give you a perspective of, okay, this is what I'm doing right now, and it's maybe a necessary evil but this isn't what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I was very thankful. I don't know about you to have those experiences, even though in your words, they kind of sucked at the time. For sure. I mean, they were good. Like got to see how operations work and what roles different people played. It was pretty small company. So it was when eBay started becoming popular. And so what they did and how they resold things and in one way or another, I guess it helped me to think through this company. I started called Global Wholesaling at a university where it was like uh, white labeled e-commerce stores before like Shopify or anything like that existed where we would pre-populate products on websites, white label the websites for people who would buy them from us and help them market and sell them. So with all this going on in your background, how did you end up at Cognota? Yeah. So one company didn't work out so well and I needed to go work for a little bit just to rebuild. And I started working at a company called World Trade Group to build out a couple of sales teams for them. And during that tenure, I noticed that their competitors offered corporate training services and they didn't. So I pitched the board to essentially create a startup in their company, a new revenue stream around training services and grew it to be one of the more popular divisions of the company. They were eventually acquired by private equity. And rather than shifting through like the changes, I just said, it's time to kind of go out and do something again, rebuilt and didn't know what I wanted to do yet, but I knew how to make money in corporate training. So I started a consulting company. Initially, just it was like a cash flow business so I can make investments until I figured out what I wanted to do. 
And I did do that. I started a couple companies, one with my brother called Go Fish Cam, which was a fishing technology company, camera that sat on your fishing line, worked with a mobile app that we sold in 2019. But in working with corporate learning and development, that's when I started formulating this thesis, like, why is it that these teams who spend more money than marketing teams do on advertising, I think the uh, stat is corporate learning spend is $320 billion a year globally and marketing teams spend about 280 billion on advertising. So the corporate training function actually spends more money, but they're really behind times where they don't have operating systems. So they're using IT legacy tool stacks or disparate tools, no way to track spend and where it's going to show ROI. So that's where I formulated this idea about like, you know, all these other business functions have a purpose-built operating system. Why doesn't corporate learning and development teams. Like the learning management system doesn't do that. It's an employee system to deliver training to learners and track results. Like that's not where these L&D teams actually do their work, where they manage workflows, where they budget, where they prioritize. And that's what Cooknota does. So you're an idea guy. I think we've established that. You talked about pitching the new idea to the old company about a new revenue stream. You talked about, you know, some of these ideas you've come up with and put into practice. How do you come up with your ideas? Where do they come from? Yeah. What's your secret? Definitely an idea guy. Going back to my early childhood, I actually found it the other day in my storage locker, my idea book from when I was a kid. So I used to write down a lot of ideas. There's some pretty good ones in there, actually. Like even fast forward 20 years, I was like, oh, I was onto something. Yeah. I mean, certain times in life, like it's just about whenever I get an idea, I'll write it down or send it to myself. And then if the timing's right, and it's validated. I think that's really important, like to validate ideas. Probably in the past, I didn't do that, made a lot of business mistakes, but you live and you learn, you get the scar tissue to not make those mistakes twice, hopefully. And so you, you definitely need to validate. So yeah, I come up with a lot of ideas and when I can and ideas are validated, I'll either execute on them or help people take them to life by investing a little money in them and mentoring and keeping some equity. That's what I did with GoFishCam. I came up with the idea. It wasn't time for me to run that. I started planning to build software for what's now Cognota. My brother was graduating university and he said he wanted to be an entrepreneur, didn't have an idea. I said, hey, how about this? Like, you know, validated it. I think it could be really good. I'll put in the money and I'll teach you how to be a CEO. And he did a really good job, like built it from idea all the way through execution to exit. So he's a, a sports tech entrepreneur now, co-founder in a company called millions.co. Very neat. So I got a couple of things that I want to follow up on that. And number one, more just a comment. Are you the type of person that wakes up in the middle of the night, has a great idea in your head, says, I won't forget that one. And then you wake up in the morning and go, oh, I forgot what the idea was. Are yeah. you smart enough to have a little notebook right by the side of your bed and write it down? No, I just email it to myself. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> I probably have an idea folder somewhere in my inbox that, you know, I move it's full of there. ideas. <laughs> full of yeah, things you have to get to. That was interesting that you have this book. And I think that I'm sure a lot of people do have ideas and they never write them down. And mm. then they never carry on or they do forget them and they never come back to them. But I did want to dig a little deeper into you said you used the word a couple of times, validate it. So like, what do you mean by that? And how do you do it? Yeah, so an idea is just an idea at the end of the day, you need to execute and time is more expensive than anything else on the planet, right? And how you maximize your time is like, 
one of the secrets to success, in my opinion. And there's people who do it really well. And I think I've learned how to do it well, but everybody has an even playing field at the end of the day. Like everybody has the exact same amount of time. And if you look at people like Elon Musk or whatever, like they've really learned how to maximize time where they can run multiple companies and things like that. Right. And so where validation comes from is tied back to investing time wisely. You can have a great idea, but it usually takes two years minimum to like take an idea and actually make it a business. That's generally how long it takes or how much budget of time you should allocate to that. And if you don't do that upfront needs analysis or validation, you might be investing time unwisely from the get-go where the idea just never would have worked. So things like you hear about this, but it's about really digging in. Like what is the true market size? Like who are the incumbents playing in, in this field? Like if we executed on this, like what would our differentiator be if we did have competition or how would we go to market? And as old school as it sounds, like I think there's merit in just writing out a business plan up front just to think through every crevice of what it would take to build that idea to fruition. There's something called the business canvas, which is a good exercise to do, for example, or even just putting a pitch deck together, like learning how to put a pitch deck together so that you get really smart around how you're going to tell the story. It's thoughtful, it's thought out, and you're never going to be right. But the idea of validation is to do as much of that upfront work to validate that you're investing time wisely and you're reducing risk so that you increase probability of success. And that's going to save you a lot of time on the back end where things actually start getting expensive and costing money or requiring investment. And that's where a lot of companies die is just ideas weren't validated properly. They have happy years. They think their idea is the best. They don't want to listen to anybody. And it's really important to flush those things out so that you're just respecting time. Would it be safe to assume that there's maybe some ideas that you had, you went through the validation process and you went, no, not going to work? Yeah, now, sure. But in the beginning, like of just being an entrepreneur or whatnot, you know, I, I've made the mistake where you just work on an idea without that validation and you invest a year and a half of your life, you try and find resources or, you know, that's the definition of entrepreneurship, make resources available where they seem impossible. So you're persisting, you find some resources and it should have just validated it. And you get scar tissue like that. It's good for you as an entrepreneur, but it's avoidable. Like to your point about the question is coming at the end, like how do you coach the next generation? Like that's something that I'll mentor on. And I speak to people about is like less is more in business and taking ideas from beginning to fruition or to execution. And you always want to keep focusing on minimal viable products. What's the least amount that I can do to validate and execute if there is something really there. And then in the next phase, as it starts to grow is again, think of MVP for that next chapter, validate it and just execute on the very basic minimal thing that you can do because what happens is when you take it to market you get feedback on that and that's where you start iterating and that's how you grow companies a lot faster when you work on the smallest part that you can and iterate on it quickly 
and you save a lot of time and make a lot less mistakes that way too. Brian, you touched on it there, you know, talking about next generation and younger entrepreneurs, but whether it's people expressing interest, young people expressing interest in going down the entrepreneurial journey, or, you know, now having the benefit of growing some successful companies, maybe having some failures along the way, what would you tell to your younger self or that young person that's going to the journey? What advice would you give them? Listen to other people. I think it's really important to build relationships with mentors or coaches that trust in you. I believe that humans like helping other humans, right? At least if you're a good person, there's a lot of bad people out there, but people like to pay it forward. And it's about finding people who really believe in you, whether you're a successful person in your family network, if you don't have a network, going to networking events like in your local community or pitches or whatever and meeting people and just building relationships to the point where people want to help you because they see something in you that they like, they're willing to invest some of their time to pay it forward listen to those people. Like that's why they're there. You know, I was probably stubborn back in the day where I thought I knew it all. And in hindsight, like people said, I wouldn't do that. And I did it anyways. And it's about listening to people, not being the know-it-all and taking feedback. And again, iterating on that. And that's how you build yourself up and save a lot of time. The uh, younger version of me in hindsight, I could have said like, Hey, Ryan, like if you want to shave off five to eight years of your entrepreneurial journey and become successful faster. Like listen to people that you've built around you because they know better than you. I want to go back to, because I don't want to forget about it because I wanted to bring it up, but I know you're having a great answer. I love that you have, at least you had, I'm not sure if you have now, maybe you can let us know an idea book because I didn't call it an idea book, but I've written down everything for as long as I can remember. And for me, it's so much fun to go back and read it and think, well, I achieved that. Maybe the goal has changed on another thing. You really get insight into what your mindset was at the time. And I relate to you about being four in the morning. Those epiphanies seem to come at four in the morning. And I think I'm the reason that Al has paused his notifications on Slack because he's usually my go-to about, hey, I've got a great idea. And of course, it's the most inopportune time and that's when they send them. But I also wanted to touch on what you talked about because we were talking about it this morning, actually, Al and I. I think people are always surprised and maybe a little hesitant to reach out and ask for help. And I'm so glad you brought that up because my experience, and it sounds like yours is the same, people want to help you. As long as you're asking authentically, as long as you're a good person, I think as long as you're willing to reciprocate where you can and help other people, I mean, I'll admit when I did ask for help early on, I was actually, I was very nervous and I was pleasantly surprised about how people are willing to give you their advice if you ask them in the right way. So I think that's important. And I think for me anyway, it took a long time to ask for that help. But the moment you did exactly what you said, I mean, it cuts out so much time for you just sitting there trying to figure it out on your own. So I think in terms of Success Leaves Clues, the name of the podcast, I mean, I think that's a really important one. I mean, you're dropping all kinds of gold here, but I think especially that's one, don't be afraid to reach out and ask. You know, I think that's part of the reason why at the end of the podcast, we always ask, how can people reach out to you? Because I know there will be someone listening going, wow, I'd love to know that. And I don't really know, Ryan, but geez, I'd love to... And if we give them that invitation, then chances are they feel a little more comfortable and you never know where it goes, right? Yeah, for sure. 
Ryan, talk about any obstacles that you've faced in your journey, because yeah, I'm sure you've been through a lot that you, we talked about, you know, validating some ideas. What are some obstacles that you can share and, and how you overcame them? Oh, bleep. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, look, you're going to face obstacles every second of the way, every part of the journey. This is where like having thick skin and being persistent as an entrepreneur is like the magic power to pushing through it. Like you'll go through, I think it's like Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank, who's said a few things that resonate with me, like entrepreneurs effing hard. And like so many companies will fail because of how hard it is. And it takes a long time. There is no like becoming successful overnight. It takes a long time and you have to push through the obstacles daily to a point where you've just built that up in your characteristics where you're used to embracing uncertainty. You can be comfortable with like not having control of everything. Entrepreneurship builds anxiety and in some use cases, depression from time to time. It's really, really hard. Like that's the cold, hard truth about entrepreneurship. But again, like some advice I would have going back to the second point Kevin O'Leary talks about is like, if it's a stupid idea or the market's not talking to you, you need to be the most responsible to like take that out back, like, you know, the sick dog out back and like put it down first, right? Like respect time, move to the next idea. But the obstacles are real. If the market is speaking to you positively, it's not happier. It's like there's signals and signs and it feels like it's not working, but the feedback is really positive. It often means that you just need to give it more time and keep pushing onwards and fighting through the obstacles. There's obstacles at every point from starting companies to raising money to building your team to creating processes. I had a mentor at one point told me, Ryan, if you're in the hiring business, you're in the lawsuit business, there's points where you do your best to hire the right people. And there's a bad apple who like, you know, wasn't there for the right intention and tries to set you up for like a lawsuit or an employment issue or whatever. And those things suck, but they're part of the journey. They're going to happen. And it's just about like fighting through all the obstacles, learning talking to people around your network that you've built who have been through those things so you can learn from them so that you're not trying to figure it out on your own and you can keep pushing through. Well, there's definitely some great advice there. And again, going back to the title of this podcast, you've just left a lot of clues for other people. Yeah, a ton. And that's why I love having these conversations because I know the audience because we get all the direct messages in every episode. But for Al and I alone, just having this conversation with someone like yourself, we always pick up things as well. And we're growing a company as well. So any of those little tidbits, and I can say over a hundred and what, almost 140 episodes, the things that we have learned from people along the way have been so beneficial in running our own company. So you're right. I mean, you need those people around you and you need those mentors and coaches to help you see around those corners. Well, we've arrived at my favorite part of the podcast where Al has a signature question. So I'll turn it over to Al. And if you feel comfortable answering it, great. If not, that's okay too. Perfect. Here it goes, Ryan. And that is a society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? Yeah, just in regards to doing my part to help other people become successful or other generations. So 
I try and pay it forward. That's important for me. There's like a lot of people in my life where I was fortunate enough where people went out of their way to help me. And I think that's a really important part of things. So I'll, I'll do some mentoring sometimes with accelerators or incubators. Like in this one case, there's this woman right now who I'm continuing to mentor six months after this program already ended and really excited. I got a text message from her. You know, she bootstrapped this company. She was all over the place thinking wide. I coached her how to think narrow, put a really aggressive goal in place for this year. And I said, you know, if you can even get to half of this, that's how you're going to start building your team and all these problems that you're thinking through are going to go away. She texted me yesterday, really excited to say that we're like on trend to get to $700,000 of revenue this year. She was at $58,000 last year. So like, it's incredible and really hard industry to build into. It's like the pet food industry. But anyways, so I try and do my part where I can, like whether it's just answering a question and helping somebody think through something to mentoring where I can, being a good role model for my kid, Levi, who turned two today. Happy um, birthday, Levi. Yeah. Happy yeah. birthday. That's nice. He got a bicycle this morning. He looked really shocked. He was like, what the hell is that? But that's cool. <laughs> Someone's going to uh, be happy. Yeah. So I think it's really important to pay it forward, not just externally, but even with your team. Like we're up to like 40 employees now, Cognota, just helping people think entrepreneurial, even internally at Cognota and leaving them with nuggets on like how they can even think through like personal things too. And I think that's really important. It just goes back to being a good person, right? If you can do your part being a good person, paying it forward, like that's going to go a long way to building the next generation. I love what you said. And you talked about paying forward. You mentioned that uh, two or three times throughout this podcast. So that tells me that that's something that's important to you. And again, yes, happy birthday, Levi. That's great. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> One of the beauties of the podcast is they're evergreen. Like we have people going back to the early days, four or five years ago, listening to episodes and commenting. I'm like, oh my God, people are still listening to those. So this is evergreen. This is something that you can save for uh, when he's old enough to hear it and understand. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your journey. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at Cognona? Yeah, probably just on LinkedIn. If they have questions about like entrepreneurship or thinking through things or have a question, like probably LinkedIn is the best way to do that. Cognota VR website, www.cognota.com, C-O-G-N-O-T-A.com. And if you're in learning and development, we launched this community of practice on learnops.com, which is pretty cool. So up to a few thousand members, we launched it a couple of weeks ago and really interesting seeing how people are helping each other, whether it's solving problems around learning operations or just corporate L&D to career advice. It's really cool to see that magic happen. That's awesome to hear. All right, Ryan, thanks so much. Well, that does it for today's episode. Al and I both enjoyed this conversation. As always, we hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. And always remember, success leaves clues, my friends. 